Amen. Thank you, ladies. What a wonderful song. And I desire that always to be true. I'm aware of the time, and uh, I will not to cut out anything, but I will uh, make sure that I don't waste any time, and we'll get out uh, right on time this morning. I want to read one other verse to you from Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18, and then we'll go back to Psalm 79, and I'll preach through that chapter this morning. But the Bible says in Matthew 16 and verse number 18, And I say also unto thee uh, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Well, this is strong, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, the church still stands. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity of being in church this morning. I pause again, not because of requirement nor of habit, but because of need, because of hunger. I hunger for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to fill me. Lord, as I preach at your word, I pray that you'd bless this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 16, 18 is one of the great promises of God from the Lord Jesus to the local church that the gates of hell could not prevail against or stop the work of the church. Since the days of the Lord Jesus' earthly ministry, Satan has worked to stop the church. He has uh, the bride of Christ from accomplishing its task of a testimony uh, for the Lord and the gospel in a sin-cursed world. Satan has been after God and his children uh, since the days of the Garden of Eden. Without a doubt, God's people uh, this morning are still on the winning side. Uh, it's hard to preach without making the statement that we're on the winning side. Psalm chapter 79 begins with a cry of anguish, in fact, a cry of despair. It is the cry of a nation, the nation of Israel, going to God for help in a time of oppression. I believe it is a reference to the Babylonian captivity, but it is also a psalm of prophecy and prophetically tells us what to anticipate in the coming and the working of the Antichrist, and we see uh, that work taking place in our nation and in our world. However, our focus is not on the prayer that we'll go through in the message this morning, but is on, in fact, the praise in verse number 13. I want you to look at it again. So we thy people and sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. Now, just as the nation of Israel is secured by an everlasting covenant, so the church lives by the promise of perpetuity from God until Jesus comes. And thank the Lord for these 56 years through the ups and downs of battles and victories, the church still stands as a beacon of light and hope and preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. I want to show you this prayer and bring this psalm into our day and application. In Psalm chapter 79, they were driven to a place that there was no hope or help as far as man was concerned. All human resources had been exhausted and there's nothing that could help them except God's intervention. And that's how they pray. God often allows us to get to that place 
because we easily forget him when things are going well. I want to point out, first of all, in the first four verses, why the psalmist prayed. Why the psalmist prayed. He says, O God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. Now, he is speaking specifically about the nation of Israel and how the Babylonians had come in and they had destroyed the temple of God. They had taken the very golden vessels that were used in the worship of God and they had taken them away to Babylon and would put in them not the approved drink for the child of God but would put the devil's brew and they would praise not the God of heaven but they would praise themselves in evil doing. And so he goes to God in prayer for three reasons. First of all, the defilement of the temple. Uh, the defilement of the temple. The Babylonians had destroyed uh, the place of worship. Now we live in a day in history uh, in our nation where honesty and integrity are difficult to find. We live in a day where lies and deceptions are so great they're believed as truth. We live in a day where governors in America tell us that the church should not meet in person one hour out of 168. But it's okay for gambling parlors and the industry and the liquor stores and the abortion clinics to continue business as usual. And folks, if we need anything today, we need church. Amen. We need anything today, we need God. We need God to hear our prayer. In our text, the Babylonians, they'd gone right into the sanctuary they tore down the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies and they had defiled the temple. So they go to God in prayer. Second of all, they go to God in prayer because of the decimation of the saints. We find in verses 2 and 3 that they had killed many of God's people to the place that they were not even able to bury all of them. We could take time and go back to the book of Deuteronomy and find that if God's people were not obedient, this very thing would happen, that there would not even be anyone to bury their bodies. And so they go to God in prayer because of the decimation of the saints. In verse number 4, uh, they go to God in prayer because of the derision of the scorned. Look at verse number 4. We are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to them that are round about us. Now think about that in our text today, in our lives today. There many would say, I can't believe you folks who go to church. I received emails this week saying, I can't believe you're trying to kill people. No, no, they never said I'm worried about folks going to Walmart and Kroger and, 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 and I'm not, not making light of what's going on. I'm just telling you it's a shame when all of those things are seen as essential and necessary and the house of God is seen as something that's just a bonus that we only do two or three times a year anyway so we can just shut that down. I got news for you, dear friend. For some of us, this is not just a place we come to now and again. But we've hungered to seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness in our lives and in our families. 
the nation of Israel. They uh, had come to the place that they were the ones laughed at. They laughed at the uh, people of God. They laughed at those that believed in God. And so they go to God in prayer. Verses 5 through 12, verses 1 through 4 tells us why they prayed. Because the temple, because of the saints, and because of the scorned. And then verses 5 through 12 tells us the things that they prayed for. And these are things that you and I should pray for today. Verses 5 through 12 tells us of the things they prayed for. First of all, they prayed for the Lord to hurry. We need you today. Are we not in that place today? We don't need God in a year. We need God today. We need God to move in our lives. We need to God for God to move on our behalf. And he asked the question in verse number 5, How long, Lord, wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like a fire? Lord, we need your help. Now understand, they knew they had sinned, and sin is what had caused the destruction of the nation. By the way, we are not innocent in our nation and in our culture today we are not innocent we too have sinned against God but I want to tell you this morning we have a God in heaven that does love his children and he responds to those that go to God in prayer an illustration that's a natural illustration uh, that I'll give you uh, when we understand how sin hurts the church you think of the relationship with the sun and the moon and the earth the sun represents God, and God's the light of the world. The sun is the light of our world. God is the one source of light and life for all the earth, and without him, everything is in darkness without the sun. Without the sun, there's no warmth, there's no light. In fact, life cannot exist. Without God, life cannot exist. The moon reminds us of the church or even the individual believer you see, God in his wisdom and love and power hath seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that we too may shine on the earth as the sun rules the day and gives its bright light in the day. The moon is a night light, which is a reflection of the sun. The moon has no power in itself. The moon's light is a reflection of of the sun, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and uh, and you you see that picture. Well, the church is like the moon, or the individual Christian is like the moon. We have no power in ourselves. The church has no power, but His presence is our power. And uh, the moon, apart from the sun, is nothing but a dark circle in the sky. And uh, the purpose of the moon is to shine at night during the time of the sun's absence. Think of it now. The moon waxes and wanes. There are times when its light is bright, when it's full. There are times when we go outside at night and the moonlight has lit up the nighttime. There are times that the moon wanes and its light grows less and less and darkness abounds. It's the same with the church and its relationship to the Lord. The church often waxes and wanes. 
There are times of spiritual revival when the forces of darkness, they retreat because of the power of the church that it receives from the Lord. And the hidden works of darkness cannot stand even the reflecting light of the church. The church is intended to reflect the light of Christ in such a way that Satan's powers of darkness are pushed back. There are times when the moon is totally eclipsed. It's in the sky, it's in the place in relation to the sun. It should be shining, but it isn't. In fact, it can't. Something has happened to its light, something simple and yet profound. The earth gets between the sun and the moon. The world comes between the light of the sun and the reflecting ability of the moon. And that's what happens to the church when the world comes between us and God. We lose our power, we lose our light, we lose our ability to affect others. And dear friend, there ought to be not only a prayer in our heart to God for Him to respond to our prayer, but there ought to be a desire in our heart not to allow the world to become to come between us and God so that there can be no light to this world. I want to say this morning, we must reflect the light of the sun. He prays for the Lord to hurry in verses 6 through 8. He prays for the Lord to hear. Verses 9 through 12, he prays for the Lord to help. I love this portion of, of the chapter in verses 9 through 12. And he makes his request on three different appeals. He, he tells God, Lord, there are three reasons that I expect you to hear my prayer. First of all, it is because of the Lord's name. Look at verse number 9. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name. You know what he was saying? He said, I'm appealing to the greatest name, the greatest power in all the world, the name of Christ. Can I tell you something? You can call the greatest armies of the world and the greatest superpowers of the world, but there is none like the name and the person of God. And he said, I appeal to you, first of all, on behalf of your name. Your name, as we sang in the beginning of the service, his name is wonderful. His name is powerful. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess it to that name he calls on him because of his name second of all he calls on him because of the Lord's nearness look at verse number 10 wherefore should the heathen say where is their God let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the re revenging of the blood of thy servants which is shed now I want you I want you to give me your attention right here there are times that we feel like the Lord is far from us. This illustration quickly, the three Hebrew children were told to bow. When they heard the sound of the music, they were bowed down and to worship the image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. Don't miss this now. Don't miss it. And they refused to bow down and worship the image. They said, we'll give you another chance. And if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. To me, that would have been a good time for God to show up and help. But he didn't. They stood again. When the music was played, they stood again. Then the third time, when the music was played and they would not bow, they threw the children, uh, the three Hebrew children into the fiery furnace. Don't miss what I'm about to tell you. God didn't show up when they were taking a stand. 
but he showed up when they were willing to pay a price. And the king looked in to make sure his deed was done and those three Hebrew boys were burnt and destroyed and he said, Did we not throw three men into the fire? Behold, I see forth, and the fourth is like the Son of God. And oftentimes we want to take a stand and God to respond to us when we take a stand. But often God doesn't show up. He is not near to us until we're willing to pay a price. And so they pray. They pray on his name. They pray on his nearness. They appeal then to his nature in all of these verses. I, I love all of these. Uh, verse number 11. Let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee. You know what they're saying? Lord, you can't reject a contrite spirit and a broken heart. We know what kind of father you are. We know how much you love your children. And we appeal, Lord, to your nature. And your nature is this. You always respond to the cries of your children. When he heard their cry in Egypt, God responded. When he heard their cry at the Red Sea, God responded. When he heard their cry in the wilderness, God responded. And he always responds to a contrite heart. We face some difficult things in our nation today. And we could face even more difficult things. Not time to give up on God. It's time to come to the place of verse number 13. And they pray through this whole chapter. But then they come to verse number 13 and they say this. So we thy people and sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise unto all generations. You know what they're saying? God we're going to praise you in difficulty as we, play, as, as we have praised you in prosperity. Amen. Are you listening to me today? They said, we want you to know that we, the people, the remnant of the nation, we're still standing and we're still praising you. Amen. I'm glad today that I'm a part of a church that has decided not just in this day, but in years past to say, Lord, does not matter what happens around us. We have decided that we will follow Jesus. We have decided and there may be those that stop in their service and their worship and their praise. But Lord, we will praise you. Amen. Now I'm going to take just a couple of minutes in closing and say, it's an overwhelming thought this morning to realize that we are continuing the church that Jesus started. We're doing what Christ began in his earthly ministry. As you read about the church in the Bible, we're doing exactly what the church did. In fact, you can find a lot of similarities from Eutychus that went to sleep during church and fell out of the window. You can find all of those. Hey, I'm glad that I'm doing what Christ began a work of doing. Let me just read a list. We're still doing the work that Jesus did while he was here on the earth. We're still preaching the same word that Jesus preached while he was here on the earth. We're still standing for the same truth and righteousness as Christ did when he was on the earth. 
we pray to the same Father that Jesus prayed to as Jesus laid his hands on the children and blessed them, as Jesus fed the hungry, as Jesus visited those that were sick and afflicted and those that were in prison, as Jesus was moved with compassion for those that were hurting and broken by the sin of the world, we too get to follow in those same steps. We're not trying to reinvent the church. We're not trying to reintroduce the church. We're just following the same steps that Jesus gave us, a pattern to follow, and thank God his blessings continue. I'm glad to report to you today it wasn't 10 years ago that 25 people trusted Christ as Savior. It was just this week in the personal work of soul winning. It wasn't years ago what God used to do, but it was last Sunday that the buses rolled and the children came by the hundreds and their families were helped and blessed. It was not forever ago, but it's been this week that God answered prayers. It's been this week that God said, I know you've been working on this for two years, but Friday, the Friday before your anniversary would be a good time to let you have these building permits and let you know that the church still stands and the church is going forward. And I'm glad to be a part of it today. And I say to you, thank you, church, for serving the Lord with me Thank you, church, for standing for the Lord with me here at Clays Mill Road Baptist Church. And I'm glad to say this morning the church still stands. The same book, the same Lord, the same Savior, the same message, and the same method. Stand with me, if you will, this morning. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're going to have our invitation time. It's a time to respond to what we have heard. This morning we feel a lot like the psalmist who prayed or penned this prayer. Lord, we need your help. Lord, there are those that hate you and they hate your people. They hate your church. But God, we need you. And we're thankful and we will be thankful until you come. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior this morning. If you're here as a Christian, you ought to say, Lord, I want to be committed to your church, to your work. There is no industry, there is no organization, there is no power greater than the power given to the local church when it mobilizes in the will of God. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. I never, Lord, want to be guilty of not having a thankful heart. For Lord, you've blessed us beyond what we deserve. And now, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to commit, to recommit our lives to faithful service for you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.